0: day Of Advent to be reminded of why it is that we are here and what difference it makes that Jesus came and that he will come again. And so, with that, let me briefly read from the 80th Psalm, chapter, or verses 1 through 7, and then 17 through 19. The psalmist says this Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock. You who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh. Stir up your might and come to save us. Restore us, O God, let your face shine that we may be saved. O Lord God of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? You have fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in full measure. You make us the scorn of our neighbors. Our enemies laugh among themselves. Restore us, O God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. But let your hand be upon the one at your right hand, the one whom you made strong for yourself. Then we will never turn back from you. Give us life and we will call on your name. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. Sisters and brothers in Christ, this is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we have already been led and will continue to be led in song. We give you praise for the ways in which you have created us as a people to sing out. To sing out praises, to sing out lament, to sing to you. And I pray, Lord, that as our hearts are lifted up, that they may be drawn to you, surely, our salvation. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen and amen. Well, I don't know about you, but I think the Christians, by and large, are a pretty strange lot of people. No amens? Trust me. Some stranger than others, to be sure. Just looking at a couple. Uh, but, but we are a strange people. And you always know you are a part of a larger, strange group of people when you spend a lot of time making fun of subsets within your group, acting as if they are strange, because then it makes you feel better about how at least, hopefully, you're not quite as strange as they are. Right? We're Presbyterians, so we do this. We, uh, uh, we think, wow, those Pentecostals, they're strange, right? They, they raise their hands, they dance around the aisles. That's just, that's strange, right? Uh, we're Roman Catholics, you know. Well, they, they talk about Mary so much. Why I talk about Mary so much? That's kind of strange. The Orthodox, they stand up their whole worship services. I mean, if we have people stand for more than two songs, people get upset. That's just strange, isn't it? Southern Baptists, you can't dance or drink. That seems strange, right? So we as Presbyterians love to put the strange spotlight on other Christians. When, of course, part of the reason why we do it is so that people won't look at us. Because we are strange as well. I mean, who else has a congregation elect a committee who then goes to decide who should be on another committee. And then that committee brings it back to us to see whether or not we really think they're fit to be on that committee or not. It makes no sense because we are a strange group of people. And truth be told, rather than trying to run away from just how odd we are, we should probably just embrace it. Because, of course, Hebrews, right? Hebrews tells us that we are strangers and exiles in this world. And what got me to thinking about how strange we are is this particular psalm. Psalm 80. There was somebody, Psalm eighty is in the lectionary. It is assigned to be read on the fourth Sunday of Advent. and some strange Christian somewhere thought, this is a perfect psalm for a Sunday that now is just two days before Christmas. Now I wasn't expecting a psalm that had, or or a scripture passage that had Santa Claus or elves or reindeer in it, but I was expecting something that might at least be somewhat happy or cheerful. Wouldn't you expect that? But the 80th psalm that has been assigned to us by some strange person is instead a psalm of lament. I'm not sure if you were listening to it or not, but it goes on to talk about this 80th Psalm. It's accusing God of many things, right? It's talking about God. Why don't you get up? Or as Eugene Peterson says in the message, get out of bed, God. And then the psalmist goes on to talk about the reality that keeps giving it, that, that God keeps giving them not bread, but bread of tears. Or again, as Peterson might say, bucket after bucket of salty tears to drink. On and on, the psalmist keeps wondering where in the world has God gone? That they are sitting there being mocked by others. And as God's people, the psalmist on their behalf is accusing him of having fallen asleep. Not exactly the most cheerful of passages on this cantata Sunday, is it? Why is it that the psalmist would do this? Right, at first blush, it seems, well, maybe the psalmist is just arrogant. That's what it seems like. I mean, who in his right mind would speak to God like you might speak to a teenager, right? Not very many. And if I were hearing someone say something like this, I very well would take a step or two away, lest lightning might strike that soul. Or perhaps you think, well, maybe he's not arrogant. Maybe, maybe the psalmist has just given up on God. He's just said, forget it, I am fed up with you. Maybe that's what's happening. And he just doesn't care whether or not God hears him. He's done with God altogether. And perhaps, That is absolutely the case. But as I was thinking about it a bit more this week, I was reminded of something that I talked about last week just briefly I I talked last week if you were here uh, briefly about the fact that I'm a child of divorced parents now I'm not going to keep bringing this up every week I know this is not counseling session but as I was thinking about that and as I was getting emails and other communications this week from congregation members about this it reminded me of something that is very very strange and yet I experienced it and I have discovered that there are many others who have experienced it as well. Which is that when you're a child and your parents divorce, you would think that whomever the child thought was the most loving, the most trustworthy, the most caring, the most secure parent, that whomever was, the, was that parent, that the child would teach, would treat that parent very well. And the parent whom the child thought was not very loving, not very trustworthy, not very caring, that that child would treat that parent abysmally. And yet, what I discovered in reflection and in talking with many others, it's actually, strangely enough, the exact opposite. That with great regularity, it is the parent who perhaps is most trustworthy, most loving, most caring, whom the child is oftentimes most angry with or screaming at or bitter at or or, or continues to kind of give them grief and tears. And it's very strange until you begin to realize that the reason why the child is so honest, brutally honest and sometimes angry and full of tears and doubts with that one particular parent is because of the very fact that the child knows That he or she can scream at that parent and yell at that parent and cry towards that parent and give every sense of grief and despair towards that parent. And at the end of the day, that parent is still going to be there. And the next morning when the child wakes up, that parent is still going to be there. And when a child does not feel as secure that the parent is truly going to love and care and be with them, then the child, more often than not, myself included, will hardly say any kind of difficult word to that parent. And as I was reflecting on that, one of the things it helped me to see is that strangely enough... When the psalmist in this 80th psalm is sitting there and is screaming at God and is saying, I have my doubts. Where are you? What is going on? That the reason why he can do that is because he knows beyond the shadow of a doubt that that God is with him and will continue to be with him and will never leave, no matter how much anger or fear or doubts or tears he has to endure from his child. And it is only because of that that the psalmist says, I can say whatever I want and tell you and be as honest as is humanly possible because I know that you will not leave me. And as I thought about that, it reminded me of this reality that perhaps there is no more appropriate passage on Advent Sunday, on the fourth Sunday of Advent, than one that speaks to the reality that we trust that God is with us and has always been with us and will continue to be with us. Emmanuel, God with us. And what God does when he comes to this earth is he invites us us not to hide our struggle our pain our doubt our agony but to be brutally honest with God about those things but not only that what we also see in this particular psalm is the fact that while the psalmist is clearly honest and is upset about God that the psalmist Also, knows that things are not as they should be, but that God and only God is the one who can rescue and bring salvation. The psalmist begins by saying, Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, who you who led Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim, and then ends by saying, Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. In other words... The psalmist knows, even in the midst of his agony and pain, that the only way to be rescued, the only salvation, is found in God. And that no matter how much in despair he may feel, he knows that true hope, true joy, true peace, true love is only found in God. See, that's important, especially for a group of folks like us. Walter Brueggemann makes this great point, which it would be wise for us to pay attention to, which he says, so often in successful and affluent cultures, we think that with enough knowledge, enough power, and enough money, we can tame the terror and eliminate the darkness. And what we know my hope is all too well is that no matter how much money or how successful or how much power you may have, that none of those things will ever tame the terror or eliminate the darkness. The only thing that can do that is the one who was born and who will come again. And this Christmas, you can get the greatest of gifts. That perfect diamond ring, the best teddy bear a black toyota 4runner with 3 rows and a sunroof <laughs> and even that will bring happiness for only so long the only gift that will give us long lasting and eternal joy peace Hope and love, not just in the future, but even today, is Jesus Christ Himself. And as I always try to tell us as much as possible, we have received this gift in order to be a gift to the community that is around us. What our community needs is an invitation to be honest. Oh, so often we are in a community that thinks that if we can go on enough vacation, have a nice enough car, do a good enough job, job at our work, all of those things that maybe people will think that we have pure joy, true hope and love. And when we, by our own honesty with God and with others, can exclaim our own time of sadness or doubt or struggle, we invite others into this conversation. And as we do so, sisters and brothers, we continually point to the only one who can bring true salvation. Hear these words that the choir sang out of, Come Thou Jesu. Come Thou long-expected Jesus. Born to set our people free from our fears. And sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Come to earth and taste our sadness. He whose glories know no end. By his life he brings us gladness. Our redeemer, shepherd, friend. Sisters and brothers in Christ. On this the fourth Sunday of Advent. Let me assure you that God can handle any emotion that you may bring to him because he was born on this earth in the midst of all of that sadness or pain or loneliness or despair. And then let us turn and trust in him, knowing that no matter how deep that despair may be, it can never run deeper than the joy, the hope, the peace, and the love, which Christ honors us. For in him, we have found our salvation. He is our Emmanuel, God with us, the one who has come, and the one who will come again. Amen? Let us pray. God, we gather on this fourth Sunday of Advent. We come, Lord, not hiding our struggles, but being honest about them. But we also come as a people, Lord, who know there is nothing that we can do about those things beyond your reaching down and loving us as we know you have done in Jesus the Christ. And so I pray, Lord, that you would be with all of us even now, For those who are struggling, that you would invite them to struggle with you. For those who are looking for true peace, hope, love, and joy, that they would know it could only be found in you. And it is in your name we pray. Amen and amen.